0: Hello and welcome to Movie Autopsy. I'm Paul Culliver. And I'm Anthony McCormack. Fire. Earth. Stretching. I can't see that last one. Ten years on from their first cinematic release, we have a reboot of the first ever superhero team. Our movie today is... Fantastic Four. This movie, plagued by rumor and innuendo and director issues. Yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, I mean, all the stories were like, ooh, do you bring pegs just in case you (laughs) need to put them on your nose? Bring a, you know, bring towels Yeah, in case the screen spews shit all over you. Yeah. Um, And I have to say, like, we've seen it and we've since come out and read, you know, even more reviews now. Yeah. And the reviews of people who've seen it and said,
0: well, I've seen it and let me tell you. It's interesting when a film's... The narrative about the film's making... Almost supersedes like what the movie is So there's been yes. there's been an ongoing sort of narrative About, let's, let's lay it down, Josh Trank Has directed Fantastic Four for the 2015 Reimagining uh, A couple years ago he did Chronicle uh, Much smaller budget Found footage film about some high school Students that somehow get some superhero Powers and then the real world Consequences of them trying to master those Powers, uh, after the success Of that, got patted on the back Big studio, hey why- <laughs> You did that one why don't you direct another one? And then there's been all this kind of rumors and innuendo in the press that he's a, a nightmare director. He got dropped. Or did he walk from a new Star Wars film? Yeah. All sorts of things. And uh, we were probably some of the first people in the world to see it because, uh, or at least uh, we didn't see it before any reviews came out um, mm. just because screenings were like tight. Oh, they shut were. Shut down.
1: Locked down.
0: Embargoes were only lifted very soon before the movie came out which is usually a pretty bad sign and you noticed something about the running time didn't you that yeah i don't know how much can be read into this and i i've never really paid much attention to other movies so maybe this changes a lot but uh we got the production note sent to us a couple of days before the screening mm-hmm. and it said 100 minutes and i was like oh that's interesting that has been let's just check what imdb says and it said 106, and then within about a day, it had dropped down to, to 100. Whoa. So, I guess you can't say that much from that, except that they were still editing, I guess, until... Yeah, right very up close until to, the... I guess so. Or they just hadn't updated it for a while. But nonetheless, it seems like maybe they did trim a lot from this. Because 100 minutes, especially for a superhero film, very lean running time.
1: Paul, there are r- reviews out there that are saying this is the worst thing that's ever happened to humanity since uh, the devil, since <laughs> since Eve ate the apple and said to Adam, "Have a bit of this apple." It's like if you were to judge, you know, Fantastic Four against original sin in the Garden of Eden. <laughs> you know, it, it's
0: kind of a parody going on. I think that's perhaps going too far. I think whoever's writing that. Didn't see the last two Fantastic Four films. <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's the other
1: thing. Like, well, let's this... put this in
0: perspective of the last two Fantastic Four films. I I think this
1: movie has issues. Yeah. Before we go into spoiler territory. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there is an alarming amount of baby in this bathwater. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, I I kind of feel it's a movie that's hard to enjoy 100% because, oh, you do see flaws in it. Yeah. But there is stuff that's in there that I think is really, really well-crafted and well-done.
0: I liked it. I walked out of it and for the 100 minutes that I was sitting in that cinema watching it, I was enjoying it. And then it was interesting that we walked out and some of the people we'd seen it with were like, oh, I don't know, like, they had a lot of misgivings, including yourself. And it kind of- and then once I started to dwell on it, as we'll do over the course of this episode, it was a bit like, oh, that, yeah, that thing and that thing. But, I stand by the fact, as I was in the cinema, without afterthought, I was enjoying that film immensely. And I do see
1: people coming at, like, people on Twitter... That are tweeting, I've just come out of the cinema and I had a good
0: time. That was me. That was me. You probably saw my tweet. Well, I, I did. Yeah,
1: <laughs> you came up because it's like, you know, you follow this guy, so I guess you like, Stop me.
0: telling me Twitter, I know. Uh, uh, let, well, let's get into a, into spoiler territory then. Let's. Uh, so, we're going to talk about the film in depth. We're going to talk about the various twists and turns. But the best way for that to be no spoilers. Is if you've seen the movie. Uh, and I would say, look, I think anyone that's a superhero fan, you got to go see this film.
1: The the, uh, the irritating thing for me was that it wasn't a new story and the story didn't take us anywhere that we hadn't been before. Okay. But what's new and novel about this movie is the tone. And it's kind of like the first time that we see a superhero movie, but it's not played as a superhero movie. Right. It's played as science fiction and it's, it's played basically as a kind of a monster movie.
0: This to me, I feel like what Fox Studios are doing, somewhat with the X-Men and more so with this with Trank's take on Fantastic Four, it is a bit of like a middle way between what DC and Marvel are doing. Like oh, there's a yeah. the darker tones in terms of visuals, so there's a bit of colour, there's a bit of darkness. Yeah. There's a bit of humor, but it's not overtly like goofy. Like Marvel's humor can be very goofy. Yes. Uh not goofy New <laughs> York. <Yuck. laughs> uh not that kind of goofy. Um Whereas I, I really like the humor in this. So I've read somewhere some people release reviews saying it's humorless. I was like, no, there is humor. There is much. There is some laughter in there that I really enjoyed. Like I, I found the stuff with the kid read, at the
1: start to be really endearing. Yeah, I really like. I read a review where people were like lambasting,
0: lambasting, sir, and what the performance of those kids.
1: What I like about it, and it's kind of a, a roundabout thought. And I, I feel like the Jamie, when it comes time that Jamie Bell is playing Ben Grimm, mm. he doesn't get as much, he's more of an afterthought, I feel. Like, it's kind of like Reed rings him up on the phone and says, hey, you got to come down to this lab because the script says you need to be here to develop your thing pals. <laughs> but it's kind of like, what I like about it is that Reed has the brains and he has, like... It's kind of like teachers, people who should know better. The voice of Homer, Dan Castellan, well, How do you Cast- pronounce that?
0: Castellanada? De- Castellanada? I mean, Castel- that's what... Nana. That- Just say it with confidence. Okay. Dan Castellanada. That sounds exactly like it, in there what it is. There you go. You nailed uh, it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Isn't it funny? We see that name so many times so many in our life. Time. But uh, he, as the... You know, he's the teacher and he's saying... Um. this is not science, this is magic. This is a magic trick.
0: What a shitty science teacher.
1: But isn't that brilliant, though? Isn't that a brilliant way to set up that if you are as smart as this little kid... Yeah. Like, this is how you're going to be treated.
0: Well, that's like... It's like every great scientist and philosopher that's gone before yeah. in the real world. Like, uh, you know, who was it? Uh, Galileo. He's like, hey, I reckon uh, this Earth we're travel around the sun. Yeah. Not the other way around. And they they throw him in jail for it. Which, it does incredible things for two characters. Number one,
1: it gives you Reed's character. Mm. Number two, when you meet Victor later on, and Victor is just pissed. He's in a (laughs) dark room. You try and open his blinds for him, and he's like, no, with, Mm. like, whatever his motor power (laughs) thing that he's got hooked up.
0: I liked, can I just say, that's almost a little bit of foreshadowing.
1: Oh, it is, that's true, that's
0: true like, yes. He's like, oh, I can do this remotely now with electronics Or in the future, with superpowers
1: Yeah <laughs> But I, I like that Victor, like, is a, like a hippie in, Almost in this movie Like, yeah. he's the kind of guy that's like Tony Abbott saying, we need more coal More coal And Victor <laughs> Von Doom is saying uh, Don't you think that's
0: going to be bad for the planet, Tony Abbott? <laughs> he, um, it's funny because there was like the leaked thing Or whatever, released that he was going to be a hacker yeah, and I would argue that he's not particularly portrayed. He's a bit like Neo in the Matrix, like that setup when yeah. he when he gets visited.
1: Well, he's literate. He's computer literate. Yeah,
0: exactly. But he's like he's a programmer. He's not necessarily a hacker. I don't know if yeah. they make that explicit. Can I just say about the kids before we move on? Yes. Can I? I don't know if this is a reference or if this is worth dwelling on. Quick reference: the thing that Reed wants to get from the Grim. Power, you know, uh, you know, the car junkyard, yard, yeah, is a power converter. Yes, and that's something that uh, Luke Skywalker always wanted. Oh, <laughs> he just wanted to go to Tosh Station to pick up some power converters, and I, just, I don't know if that's a reference, but I just thought it was worth mentioning. I, w- well, what I love about that—that's <laughs>
1: it—is true. There's a Star Wars connection there. I guess <laughs>
0: is that too far a bow? It, well, it's
1: a leap. But it's, it's like Mr. Fantastic stretches, you know, say. So <laughs> okay. Oh, okay. Hey. Oh,
0: I see what you're doing. You, oh, you right. did a super bad stretch. You bloody, you know, in a like production, like, Josh Trank's got to write a thing and he's got to be like, oh, you know, he's got to do a Reddit AMA and I bet that'll... All right, we'll move on. <laughs>
1: <laughs> what I like about Ben Grimm's character, and it mostly comes from the little boy at the start, it doesn't come... You know, it's in there later on, but it doesn't. You feel like there are scenes missing, you know, entire sequences cut from the film, and mm. this would have played into it. But it feels like he isn't smart. Mm. Like, in not a derogatory kind of way. Like, he's obviously smart enough to, you know, do the right thing and blah, blah, blah. But he's not, you know, build a teleporter in your parents' garage smart. Yeah. But. He could just as easily have been a bully. Like, right. you see his home life and it's, it looks a little rough. Like, he gets almost roughed up by an older brother. Yeah. Who I assume is an older brother. So, like, this is like every movie you've ever seen where he's like, you know, oh, he, now we understand why he's a bully. He, he doesn't become a bully in this story. Yeah. He becomes the guy that's like, all right, you nerd, I'm going to be your bully like i'm gonna everyone's gonna go after you but i'm gonna be the one that protects you from them
0: that's very cool well i don't i don't look i'm gonna say i don't know the fantastic four story that well from the comics but certainly in the original movie with michael chiklis he was like the bodyguard of reed so that kind of carries through as of that sort of thing what i want to get to like the root of yes is are people not enjoying this film like i enjoyed this film right i really liked it and there are definitely some holes. There are some plot holes, and there's some issues with it. But I'm wondering whether people- Part of me is like, are people not enjoying this just because they've decided they're not going to like it? Like, you've got Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm, being set up as kind of a badass, a bit of a, you know, you know, kid of a of a rich person. Well, not rich, but like a, you know, professional driven person gone wrong. Yep. He's doing drag races. He's getting in, you know, he's getting his arm broken, all that sort of thing. Uh, but he's very intelligent, as we know. Yes, very intelligent. Um, and it's like, well, is that was that treatment of like they had to just deal with that quickly and create that character? Was that a was that almost like a a well worn way of doing it? Be like, oh, he's in a street race. But isn't that not what Johnny Storm does? I fear
1: uh, to a certain degree. And if you've seen Chronicle, and I quite enjoyed Chronicle, and there are two things. Like, you know, Fantastic Four through the lens of Chronicle, if you will. There yeah. are two things that I felt came from Chronicle and really, really did a- did good things in this movie. Yeah. And the first one is that the, you know, it, it kind of sucks in the sense that the Invisible Woman is the least important character in the events that happen. But the actual event that they transport to the planet mm. comes about because- it's basically like a peer pressure, do the wrong thing kind of situation. Mm. Where Reed, who is just so beautiful, and I have to tell you before this, there's like the Fantastic Four cartoon that I always paid half attention to. I didn't. I never really sort of you know adored it. Uh, there were the movies where Jon Gravel played uh, Reed Richards. <laughs> I he is the most important. Character in the Fantastic Four, purely namesake-wise. Yeah. Because he's Mr. Fantastic. Yeah. And to me, I never ate him up. Mm. I never understood who he was. Miles Teller's Reed Richards is a character. Yeah. And is a character I I get and I
0: like. Yeah, you know? well, I really like like he he played the very nerdy but very smart and but still very confident. What I liked about it was like yeah. he was confident but like his gestures were very like awkward. It was, he um, was so
1: socially awkward,
0: yeah. uh, but, but yeah. with so
1: much heart as well. Like I mean, the moment and it's in the trailer where like Johnny the you know the Human Torch is putting up his fist to fist bump him. And like Reed just like, like, claps, like the hand. <laughs> claps the hand. And it, that tells you everything you need to know about him because he's like, he has nothing but love in his heart, <laughs> but it just can't get out of him in yeah. any sophisticated or classy way. And to see the seduction of Victor, like, you know, I'm going to pour you some alcohol and you're going to drink it. And like, and you know, Reed drunk is like everyone's in the audience laughed in the cinema. Like, that's very funny. Mm. And then that Johnny is there as well. Like Johnny is not a, um, as, as morally, you know, clean as, as a Reed Richards. Like he's not an evil guy by any stretch of the imagination, but he's much more cool. Mm. He's the cool kid. And, uh, ironic. Um, but <laughs> s- so for Victor to say something, you know, which is kind of like a, a dark, ominous thought, like you know, we could go there tonight. And for Johnny to sort of say, I, I gravitate towards that because that's cool. And then for Reed to be the only one in the room and he's so socially awkward that he can't say no. Like, that's that does tremendous things, like, character-wise, as well as, like, it gives you a feeling that this is not something that's supposed to happen. Where in a Fantastic Four movie, they're supposed to get their powers, otherwise there's no move. <laughs> yeah. So, for you to be rallying against the inciting incident of this movie that you know is going to happen, you know what I mean? I think it's doing something right there.
0: Yeah. 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 You know what's really interesting? I just realized this, is that he says much earlier on, or well not much earlier on, but at some point earlier on to um, uh, Invisible Woman, uh, mm. before she's invisible, I don't want to be famous, and then the point that clinches it for him going into that machine is, if you- we don't go now, no one will remember you. Yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> and it's kind of, it almost when he said, I don't want to be famous, you're like, mm, maybe you do. Yeah. Maybe you do. Um, the, and I Okay, so I have a few issues with the Mr. Fantastic story, in that he's like this nerdy, confident guy. He's confident in terms of his science and his ability, but not much else. Um, But then when all shit goes down, right? Okay, there's a few things. Let's follow this through. Yes. I was talking to you about this as we walked out of the cinema. He, he's collapsed on the floor. He's all stretched out. He sees Johnny on fire. Which, logically... Yes. You would think that he'd think Johnny had died. Yes. Like he's burnt his friend to a crisp. Uh, he knows that uh, Ben Grimm is rocks, but alive. Yeah. I think he sees him. I don't know if he actually sees him, but he knows he's alive. So, let's assume he... He also never sees... Uh, <laughs>
1: Invisible girl. Sue
0: Storm yeah. get affected by the the blast or anything. So, the fact that she has powers should... like so. Fast forward when he's back in that interrogation room and she says something about changing our powers back, I really thought it should have been him going, what do you mean, our powers? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, because they're on a lockdown military. It's not like it's been in the news.
1: What I kind of thought was a kind of missed opportunity is you come into the lab and there's like, you know, those the three guys in the middle of the lab and they're terrible and horrible. And then you say, well, where's Sue? And you look in the control room where she's supposed to be and she's not there. Mm. You say, Oh well, Sue's not here. So then the military got these three guys under lockdown, but it's like, where's Sue? Where's Sue? Because the whole point of Sue is that she's
0: invisible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They that was I felt like a mis in the, I don't know, I felt like it was he had figured out too much in a way. Like, yes, yeah. he's a very smart man. But did he just assume that Johnny Storm had powers?
1: And I didn't
0: understand.
1: He runs away because he's scared. Like, fair enough. Yeah. But he spends so much time. He spends like a year away from the base. Yeah. Isn't it? And then he's building a single person pod.
0: Yeah. And that suit he's wearing, that seemed, to me, that, I mean, it was explained within the movie that he's wearing that to regulate his stretching, right? That was obvious. Did
1: he know that? Did you know that? Uh, I didn't know that. Oh, my God. So, he built his own regulating suit. Yeah.
0: Is that oh. not made obvious in the film? Oh, he because is the moment, fantastic, the moment when it? the suit breaks, yes. he stretches out again. Oh. On on Planet Zero. I didn't even... Cause That's... Because I, I read a review where they're like, oh, it doesn't explain where he wears the suit. It was like, but it's shown on screen. Oh, that is
1: very good. No, I didn't, I didn't even get that. See?
0: I suspect... Yes. There's yeah. There's a lot more going on in this film that people you know, are missing. Well, I think structure-wise,
1: and I feel like people really get into the start and they really get into the middle and the ending is where the movie loses a lot of people. Yeah. And what I feel like structure-wise, and there are people talking about, you know, it it feels like there's a gigantic chunk of, like, the second or the third act missing. And I kind of feel that as well, like, to a certain degree, Doom is such a powerful villain, and that takes me back to Chronicle with the spider, the scene with the spider. And if you haven't seen Chronicle, this, the me saying the scene with the spider will mean nothing to you. <laughs> but if you've seen Akira, you know what he does to that spider. I haven't seen Akira.
0: A spider so, dies. A spider dies as a result of superpowers.
1: And and what I like is that you've got a villain because you see that in Chronicle, and you mm. say, "Oh well, you know." Obviously, we can't go too far down this direction because limitations of a movie, you know, and, Mm. and, you know, we can't hate. Whatever it is that's in your head that's saying, oh, obviously, this won't go too far. And that goes too far. Whereas in Fantastic Four, what I love about the villain is that the second he's on the screen, there's no countdown to midnight or anything like that.
0: Countdown to Doom.
1: There's no countdown to Doom. He's like, you know what? I've just decided something. Screw you all. Yeah. And then bam, that's it. Like everyone is a spider suspended everyone, in midair. Everyone
0: dies. I mean, that's what I, that's some, that sequence I really liked. Like I was yes. horrified. I was like, oh, oh, like I was contorting in my seat. But also, D- so good that they did that. They just went, you know what? Because that's the problem is that someone with that immense power, yes. like dealt with 10 years ago in the 2005 film, is yeah. just like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, do this or make a thing uh, electrocute itself or I'm going to short circuit this. No, if you have that kind of power and you're actually evil, you're just killing things. Yeah. And that's what he does. He walks through indiscriminately blowing up people's faces. Yes. And the fact that he does it to the big corporate guy at the start and you're kinda like, Oh, this is horrific, but oh uh, yeah. you are a bit <laughs> yeah. evil. You I were mean, gonna it was always gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, you're a bit of a suit, so um, but I, that was so good. I what, really liked that sequence. That,
1: that it goes for about what one minute, two minutes, and that is the movie operating on all cylinders. Because number one, you've got Doom doing his thing. Mm. Number two, no one is safe. Everyone is doomed.
0: Yeah, and you I like and I you. liked that. Then at that point, it was up to the Fantastic Four to literally Num- team up.
1: Number three, Ben Grimm stands up. He hears the siren. What's going on? And you're like, you know what? The Fantastic Four are probably the only ones. Like, you know, would they be affected? Would their brains blow up? And you think about Reed Richards and you say, well, his head's really stretchy. Maybe it would go, like, you know, maybe, (laughs) you know what I mean? And then, like, as well as the threat is doom, but you know that Vixter is uh, basically like a 4chan kind of, you know...
0: bottom dwelling <laughs> bottom internet, d- uh, yeah, yeah, yeah dark dark net um you know he's troll. A, you
1: know in him in you know even though the scissor hands are going on <laughs> in <laughs> his heart he's like a guy that's like you know the reason fuck the military is that I reckon this is a good planet and and he actually has a line about if I have to save my planet from being doomed like yours is then You know,
0: if I have to destroy your planet, I'm going to do that. Well, it's like the Skynet in Terminator. The logic of that is the Skynet is meant to defend humanity. The greatest threat to humanity is humanity. Therefore, I guess we'll just kill humanity now. (laughs) Yeah, it's that kind of logic. (laughs) Which, But I think also it was the fact that he felt, in a way, betrayed. I mean, it's not articulated that strongly, but he feels betrayed by humanity and specifically the guys that he went over with. And the only thing that sustained him was the power of... So, it was almost like a Stockholm syndromey thing going on, where it's like, the energy of this planet, I am now this planet, I'm the home, I'm its protector. And, uh, uh, and also, yeah. I've already got that hippie stuff going on, so, ah, fuck the planet.
1: <laughs> but you know what I like? And the movie kind of hints at it. it. It never sort of um, goes into maximum bore on it. But it's like, the threat is Doom. An even bigger threat than Doom... Is imagine if you take the United States military through there and Tim Blake Nelson, right? Who is and and how would you feel to be Tim Blake Nelson? You're like the Marvel movies that you've been in, The Incredible Hulk, yeah, and and Fantastic Four, and you're like, you know what, he's, Marvel <laughs> put, <laughs> put me in a
0: but, um, you know, he who, who is the guy that dooms explodes the head off, first? yeah, yeah, the, the kind of the evil money man. He's not, I mean, he's not evil, he's just corporate interests. Oh, but, he's evil. <laughs>
1: well, yeah, you get a sense there's something evil going on military-wise, but it's never, it's never really expanded on. But I, structure-wise, structure-wise, the movie, I feel it, you could almost argue that it doesn't have a third act, it's just two acts.
0: I, you know what? I have a theory. Yep. could be wrong. Yes. But I reckon my, the greatest weakness of the third act, I think, is the fact that it's so superhero-y.
1: Well, that's interesting. It goes
0: Act 1 and 2, science fiction-y, let's travel into space and great unknown and solve the world's problems. Yes. Through a new energy source. Act 3, oh, we created a supervillain. Oh, we've also got some superheroes. Big boss battle now. End of movie.
1: Well, to a certain extent, you couldn't have played it many other ways because if Doctor Doom is killing- They never call him Doctor- if Doom is killing people, like every single second is I think another. They ten... call him
0: Doctor Doom at some point oh, before they? he becomes.
1: But um, it, it you know. It- He's killing people by the millions every single second. So, it's like, you need to take him down. I don't think it's
0: quite at that rate. (laughs) Well,
1: you know know what I mean, though. It's literally where it is, is a giant paper shredder. And he's putting the entire world through the paper shredder an inch at a time.
0: That's the the funny thing about that. Like, you've ripped a hole in interplanetary, interdimensional travel. Yeah. And you can only, what, in the space of about half an hour, you only killed, what, like a thousand people? It's like, that's going to take a while to kill everyone. <laughs> but it's kind of like,
1: there's a three act structure because things get proven. Yeah. So it's like, act one is like A, and then act two is like B. <laughs> you know what I mean? But act three is all about, oh, but it has to be A or B. So which one is it? And it's like, oh, it's A.
0: Well, how do you mean? You mean it's in A and B set up two different things?
1: Well, yeah. It's it's like a binary kind of like good versus evil. Right. You know what I mean? So, you've got Star Wars, which is like good. And then you've got Empire Strikes Back, which is evil. Which is not to say the movie is evil, but it's like representative of, you know. And then Return of the Jedi is good versus evil. And the entire idea behind the the end of a story is A will always win over B because- or B will always win over A because. Okay. And it's the because that's the important part of the story. So in Fantastic Four, a lot of these things happen, and we go from point A, which is one set of st- circumstances happening, to point B, which is another set of circumstances happening, but there's nothing kind of gets proved. Okay. It's not like Fantastic Four will always win over Doom because. Because teamwork. Well, I guess you could argue that, but as well, like- <laughs> I, I am. What is their teamwork, though? It's like Invisible Girl makes Thing invisible yeah. so that this time when he punches him, he doesn't see him until it's like two inches from his face, and then he sees yeah, him.
0: and then he- and then the- what was it- the, yeah, they work- they work together.
1: Well, yeah, With, but-
0: with the- with the- and then d- the, they direct the flames, and then- and then Fantastic, Mr. Fantastic beats him up a little bit.
1: I, I feel the the homework that they He's were missing... He's stronger
0: than all of us.
1: I feel the thing that happened really well in Iron Man was the icing problem. Which is to say, you see Reed and these things keep coming up. Like, if you had done this experiment just the wrong way, this would have created a black hole <laughs> that would have eaten the entire world. And, and Reed's all like, well, I'm glad that it didn't do that. Yeah. And in Iron Man, it's kind of like Tony Stark does similar things where he goes so far ahead with his science and it creates, like, the icing problem in the first movie and, and, like, that's a problem. But that means, because he's been that reckless in the third act... He knows how to deal with the icing problem and the bad guy doesn't. So, like, I was kind of hoping, like, it it comes down to Dr. Doom saying, you know, you always think that you're smarter than me, Reed. And Reed says, I am. And then he punches him or whatever. What what happens then? Like, he gives (laughs) him a good punch. It's like, I am smarter than you. Punch. (laughs) You know what I mean? So, what I was looking forward to there was, like, I am smarter than you. And then maybe he opens up a black hole accidentally. With
0: yeah, the- but the point was that um, he punches him, but then he has a trap waiting for him laid by the rest of the team. Yeah. I, I mean, I like, you know... I, 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 I mean, yeah, look, it's not the smartest. Yeah. <laughs> but the point is he had misunderestimated. By I, I, I do
1: feel like it was all j- there in the yeah. screen, but I do feel like the reason... The ending doesn't feel as satisfying. And I feel as well, like they get back to Earth and like we gotta have a base, we gotta have suits, and we gotta have a name for our team. And I'm like, I I'm pretty sure Josh Trank wasn't on the set anymore when you were doing this scene. This Am I was right? All,
0: this was all like, so can we have a sequel? Yeah. Can, can we we'll guys? we'll have a sequel, right guys? I know well my theory that I, I kind of didn't I haven't fully articulated. So the superhero y third act. Yes. Where it wasn't really a superhero movie before that. I contend, perhaps, theory, unproven, no substantiating evidence, that perhaps that's what they reshot. Because there were reshoots. Yes. There were rumours that there wasn't enough action. If if you are to point at anything, I would say that perhaps there was a different ending to this film. And uh, they end up making it more, uh, oh, we've got to send the Fantastic Four to go have a fight with Doom kind of thing. And maybe it was different. I don't know what the different ending would be. Yes. And I don't know if it'll ever come out. But I think that's, I think fair to say that's the case. And I think we lost a lot in the middle. I don't know. Yeah. It kind of feels like
1: when the Tim Blake Nelson is saying to the thing, hey, do you want to work for us, Ben Grimm, and we'll cure you. And he looks up and he's like, well, what do you want me to do? And then it's like, one year later, is the Mm. text. And I'm like, uh, like even before i saw what was happening one year later i was like oh this feels like you know
0: <laughs> snip snip yeah well there there's so much in the trailer the trailer is very different to the film yes uh, there are lines that have changed that have been recontextualized. There's uh, in one of the extended trailers that got released a couple days before, just literally just a couple days before the film, some extra footage in the trailer was the thing dropping down onto a military base. And they had a joke being like, oh, how long until he's inside? Two minutes. Oh, actually, might be a bit quicker because he just jumps out without a parachute. Yes. That's not in the film. And that's what? such a great shot. That's such a great scene that they set up in the trailer yeah. that they never do. So it seems like maybe they went on a mission. As the Fantastic Four? Yeah. Or at least without without I, Mr Fantastic.
1: I what the tone of like the the and it felt like Alien at one point where they're on the planet and they're reaching towards the goo and you're saying, Don't reach towards the <laughs> goo and then like the fly and and then you know, it feels kind of X Filesy. And what I like is the very first scene where they have their powers. And you were talking about it before, like Johnny's on fire and it looks like he's burning to death. And that was scary. That was genuinely sc- like, yeah.
0: And it was because we were living it through Reed's eyes yes. and body, where he was like physically, like incapable or at least incapacitated. He was trying to help, yeah. But he was he was putty, mess, elastic man.
1: And I I really enjoyed that tone of it. Yeah. I I I enjoyed the, all the setup, and I enjoyed the intelligence at the start. And I, I kind of would have liked to have seen more of the character, like, especially Jamie Bell before he becomes big rock monster.
0: Mm. Like, it was interesting because Jamie Bell, uh, Ben Grimm, he suffers for being the thing. Yes. Reed suffers in this more than, like, like he suffers because he has to build this suit, like, otherwise he's, he is uh, an elastic mess. Um, yeah. Whereas the Invisible Woman doesn't suffer so much for her powers. Um, and neither does Human Torch, because he's the happy-go-lucky, look at me, I finally got a purpose. Yeah, he's very happy. Um, can we talk about, uh, Dr. Storm, Reggie, Kathy? Yes. Uh, amazing. Oh my god, that voice. Just oh. reverberating through my voice. <laughs> do you want to do it? Do you want to- The wanna... doctor is about to operate. Did, did he say that in the movie? He or... said
1: that in the mask. Oh, okay. I don't know if that counts.
0: <laughs> okay. Um. I don't think he's aged, did they, since then, Whoa, by the way? So good. Um, he was so good, and I think um, the killing of him, a little bit like the Agent Coulson death in the Avengers, in the father figure has brought them all together, Yeah, dies, now we have to avenge him, but also, he died and they kind of just moved on. <laughs> yeah. Like, could have been the unifying factor, but they they were kind of like, he died and we had like a little bit of a moment to mourn him, and then the whole building blew up. <laughs> Yeah. And it was like, oh, I guess he was going to die anyway, but at least we saw it.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I think about, um, and this is another Fox movie, uh, Alien 3. Yeah. And that was like a, a quite a young director. Hmm. You know, he'd, he'd done some good things and, and Fox said, why don't you take, you know, this property that we're very invested in, and it's big budget, and it's going to do big things. Uh, and um, and then in the middle of the process, Fox were like, oh oh sorry, do, are you trying to do this? Because we were thinking maybe do the, go the other way, yeah. Little little boy director, and that director was so frustrated by that, uh, that experience, and he disowned the movie. And he grew up to be. Excuse me for one second, Paul. I just need to cough. <coughs> and he grew up to be, I'm just stalling, anticipating. Yeah, yeah, David Fincher. <laughs> so, I think the moral of this story, I feel like Josh Trank, you know what I mean? A lot of people are going to be down on Trank. Mm. I feel like this is his Alien 3. Yeah. And you I watch Alien 3 today, I quite enjoy it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I really like it as well. And I think- um- Uh, Yeah, again, has some issues. But I think that, yeah, it's like how much of that is studio meddling? And a point, the reverse side that a lot of people are making is if these studios studios should stop hiring these like new indie, you know, small budget directors that do well, if they're not going to give them any creative license. Exactly. Like don't put them on your big budget shit if you don't want a fresh take. Of course, the one exception to that... Colin Trevorrow with Jurassic World, now one of the most highly successful films ever. Yes, so probably they everyone now is going to look at that and go, "Oh, give me some, (laughs) give me some fresh blood."
1: And how much of that would be Steven Spielberg? Like executives wanting to say, "Hey, Colin, please." Like I, I know there are stories about um, producing uh, Back to the Future. This is one of my favorite Steven Spielberg stories. Back to the Future. And uh, the head of Universal, Sid Sheinberg, at that time, and he, if you know the story of Brazil, which is the Terry Gilliam movie, mm. and the studio didn't want to release Brazil uh, with the ending that it had, they wanted like a happy ending for it. And Sid Sheinberg is the head of Universal at that time. So, Back to the Future, he gives a couple of notes. Um, you know the scene Marty is in the radiation suit. And he's saying to George, his father, you're going to take this woman to the dance where I'm going to melt your brain. I'm Darth Vader from the planet Vulcan. (laughs) And Sid Scheidenberg, you know, and and Sid is a very smart man. I'm not saying every decision he's ever made is, you know, not a good decision. But this one, maybe, you know, he'd had a couple of drinks, but he'd said, uh, you should rename the movie Spaceman from Pluto. (laughs) And Steven Spielberg, you know, he's producing the movie. He's looking after the director and the two writers. He writes a memo up on the Universal board saying, thanks for your notes, Sid. They were so hilarious. All of us laughed really, really hard. (laughs) (laughs) Like playing it as though it was a joke. And, like, Sid was too proud to say, no, actually, I was serious. <laughs> um,
0: the only other thing I was going to say about this film is they don't explain or explore at any point why the machine sent them to Planet Zero. Like, why are those the coordinates? And,
1: and- whether it's a different planet, whether it's a different dimension, whether it- yeah. wh- d- what is the Planet And Zero? the fact
0: that uh, they two different... Uh, Dr. Storm and Reed two different machines get sent to, in theory, the same place because of the soil samples being the same. So that could be a thing to explore later on. Like, why is that the case? Why were they sent there of all places?
1: Because Reed wasn't even aiming for another planet. No. He was like, this is China or something. And, and Sue is all like, nah, ain't China.
0: So Reed's not really as smart as he yeah, he got it wrong. What he's, an idiot. He's
1: on the sleep- sleeping on the job.
0: Sleeping on the job. And wait, and he never actually... um. Made romance with um, Invisible Woman, right? Yeah,
1: so, I mean, when the studio comes in and says, we're taking the movie over from you, Josh Trank, and we're going to put everything in that we want to do, and they didn't even put in that they romance. So, they're sleep on the job.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to Fantastic Four versus the X-Men directed by Bryan Singer coming in two years' time. Yeah. Let's be honest.
1: It's going to be some kind of reboot, I feel.
0: I think, well, I hope this cast, this cast absolutely delivered. Oh, yeah. I love this cast. Yes. So I hope they keep them. Obviously, Trank has washed his hands of it. He's gone. Yeah. But I want to see this cast. And I want to see, they've started something. They didn't absolutely deliver it. They didn't nail it. Who knows where that fault lies. But I got to say, I want more of this. I want more of this reboot. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's our movie autopsy for Fantastic Four. You can tweet at us, at Movie Autopsy. We're also on Facebook. Look us up there. Let us know if there's any movies coming out that you'd like us to do. Remember to subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice if you haven't already. Just search for Movie Autopsy and you'll get new episodes every week. I've been Paul Culliver. I've been
1: Anthony McCormack.
0: We'll see you next time. See you then.